The following interview originally aired on KPOV 88.9 on the Friday Point. You can listen to The Point 9 a.m. each weekday at 88.9 FM or at kpov.org. It is Friday, November 25th, 2022, and in case you missed the memo, there's only 31 days left until Christmas. Welcome to the Black Friday edition of the Week's End Point. This is Steve behind the mic and my far better half, Paula, at the controls, making the voices for today's show available for the common good of all. Black Friday, it has an ominous ring to it. The best years of my work life were spent in the fitness industry where my colleagues and I came to the determination that Halloween was the kickoff to the season of dietary debauchery and religious hypocrisy, a regular celebration of a capitalist extravaganza. Go figure. How ironic that today is also Native American Heritage Day. There's not much of a way to balance the scales of justice for the losses they have incurred. So I won't even try in this show. Just know we should honor them for their patience with the U.S. government, which is also our government. Our guest for today is Leo McGregor, a person who has shared some of his inside story with my wife and I. Leo is here to talk about the trials and tribulations that face military veterans here in Central Oregon. I'm sure some may disagree, but the late Howard Zinn said it best, war poisons everybody. Like it or not, it's death and destruction and should always be the absolute last choice. Be thankful, even though Thanksgiving is now in the rearview mirror for this year, most of us within earshot aren't dodging bullets and bombs. Leo McGregor will remind us of how important real sacrifice is. So give a listen and remember the value of compassion this holiday season. Leo McGregor is a proud and happy retired insurance professional who is searching for self-discovery and is a volunteer mentor with Veterans Intervention Strategy. Welcome to The Point, my brother. Tell us about the aforementioned VIS, the Veterans Intervention Strategy. Okay, good morning to you guys. VIS, I guess it started many years back when a bunch of veterans were thinking um, veterans who get involved with the law should have like a special court because of the special circumstances, uh, you know, suffering from PTSD and not making purely rational choices and get involved with the law. And that moved along very slowly. They finally, I think the DA here in town agreed to not exactly a court, but a uh, intervention where if veterans, combat veterans were arrested or you know, had a negative experience with the law, they could get some consideration if they worked with the vet center here in town in counseling, and then there would be some uh, mitigation of the consequences of their actions. So that's where it began. Just the other day, there was a new development. We've actually now, it's gone to, it's moving to an actual physical court with a judge. And that's an improvement, and I think that's based on the success of the program that's been in existence for the last couple of years. So that's a positive development to a lot of people. But the premise is, you know, poor kid got involved in combat, has PTSD, doesn't know he has it, gets involved with the law. Uh, I heard one quote one time, a kid said, uh, you know, I don't know why this is happening to me. I was such a good soldier. And so the impact of combat on the brain would make young men do things that would get them in trouble with the law and there was some understanding that trauma didn't make it just a straight up legal case of right and wrong but so that's where it began so now we're moving to an actual court which is really great my role as a mentor a couple of years ago the vis program involves a therapy various types of interventions uh, aa 
violence, anger management, whatever, generally over about a 15-month period. And in my role, and some other guys' roles, Craig Jorgensen, is to just be a mentor, which is just to sit with a young man maybe once a week for an hour and a half and just, for lack of a better term, just to shoot basically and just try to uh, just talk. Yeah, And uh, I got trained in motivational interviewing, which was very helpful. And uh, a couple of the young men that I worked with, one man said, you know, Leo, I trust you, which implied that he didn't trust anything else, which is a very key element in PTSD, is they don't trust anybody. So I, I think our mentor role, we're actually looking for more mentors, but it's just to sit and just help somebody work through the program to get to the point where they're done, graduate, and I've been to a couple of graduations, and they're great, and move on with their lives. And I have to say, after a couple of years now, we've had a lot of success. And so that's very rewarding. I just got a new mentor the other day, a mentee, I mean. So, so that's VIS. Does that sound? Yeah. Well, and I think that, that that's an adequate description. And in discussion in the past, we've talked about the fact that there, when it comes to mustering out of the military, you're pretty much just put on the street corner and expected to jump back into life. That's true. One of the things we often thought would be so intelligent would be when a guy would muster out that he would automatically muster into the VA system, which is, uh, it's there. There's a lot of good things there, but it's hard to navigate. But they don't do that. So a young man or a young woman has to get out. And then if they want to access their benefits, they have to then go into the system. And they have to navigate their way through the system. It's, it's, it's difficult. But uh, one of the problems is if you have PTSD and don't know it, you, it makes you loathe to want to do that. Yeah. And, and, and to take advantage of what's there to help, help a young man or young woman who's suffering from PTSD. So it's like a catch-22. And, and you know, so once in, there are a lot of benefits there. But uh, the mentor role that I have is to just to help people feel at ease and to work through the system. So we've made a lot of progress in the last couple of years. So, uh, but I thought maybe my journey would be, it's interesting. Can I talk a little bit about? Oh, I, I think it, it would be an important part of the discussion to let people realize that you suffered from some of this and that you were also, you're a combat vet. Yeah, there's actually different categories. You know, there's the old guy like me, basically Vietnam uh, combat vet. And uh, then there are uh, the young men and women of today. Uh, Vietnam was the last conscript war. All the wars since have been theoretically volunteer. But in my case, after I retired here, I met some other vets, and they talked me into going over to the vet center, which is over across from Pilot Butte on uh, Northeast Forbes Road. And I gradually came to understand I had PTSD. So a lot of old guys like me uh, trundle in not knowing that their entire life they were affected by PTSD but didn't know it. And so so I accessed the system and did some counseling and found out it expanded my awareness of me and it expanded my awareness of my life. And it was interesting, you know, I, I thought I was an exception, but I found out that I'm not the exception, that a lot of Vietnam vets, you know, came back. In my case, I wanted nothing to do with any of it. So... Hard work, family, et cetera, et cetera, and then retired, no more work, no more family, and uh, the expanded awareness, the understanding of something that the trauma of combat, I mean, basically being scared to death for a year, will affect the brain. 
And uh, the brain responds in a couple of ways, I found out. One is isolation, drug addiction, alcoholism, and one is control. And try to control your environment, right? In other words, unconsciously, all unconsciously, this will never happen again, what happened to me. So I'll do everything in my power to be sure that I never have this happen again. And, of course, it's futility. So uh, different categories of, of a veteran, the old guy. The tricky part for old vets and even the young guys, who wants to admit to all that consciously? The brain doesn't want to. The way it was explained to me, you run from uncomfortable feelings. So my feelings were regret, shame, and so forth. So who wants to go, hey, I'm full of regret and shame. So you run the other way. You run away from it. You go into your head. And, and even the, the old vets are split between the guys who are still fighting the war and think it was good and the ones that, that aren't. And, but it's all about awareness and realizing what actually happened to you and, and how it affects your, your life. Um, you know, I've met guys that have been fighting, fighting fights their whole life and, but not understanding what was really going on underneath it was uh, the trauma of combat. So, so that was my journey and it led me to, I wouldn't say I'm healed, but it led me to agree to be a mentor to help younger men and women, uh, men going through the same thing. So uh, that was interesting to, to, to get that awareness of how it affected me, you know, and so, and that's the case with all the, the new guys coming out, the Iraq and Afghanistan young men. I, you know, I think it's tied to, what I learned is it's actually tied to childhood issues. And the way that it's tied is a disorganized young, a disorganized family life will impact the brain in a negative way as well. And what that does is it sets you up when you go to combat, all things being equal, the level of PTSD will be affected by the damage already done to the brain by a disorganized family life. So it's like a, you know, you're getting hit twice. And so it was interesting, you know, I even examined my own child childhood and could see the connection. So you have to reach a point where the veteran has to reach a point where they have an awareness that what the behavior they're exhibiting and the life they're living is not the real them. It's the traumatized brain that's affecting how they look at the world. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I was going to say, I, I think the, the one term that you used, the idea of being an older veteran, uh, I tend to think of you in particular as being a wise elder. And I think that that's an important role in dealing with these problems. I'm sure you've been complimented on numerous occasions for your ability to explain all this to the people that are struggling most. Yeah, so paying it back is working with the young guys today. You know, the reason for entering the military is at a young age is interesting, especially today when it's a recruited army, is young people have a hope, I think, of improving their lives. And then what they find out very rapidly is that it, the expectation is not met with reality. And that combat is a horrible thing. It does horrible things to the brain. And, and, you know, you can't tell somebody to square themselves away. So the therapy at the VIS is amazing. It's very slow. You know, Amanda Justin over there, I mean, she's an amazing person. I can only imagine it's a slow, agonizing process for awareness to happen and for the brain to be healed. But the dilemma is, if you're not aware you have PTSD and you don't know what PTSD is, then you don't 
to seek the treatment. So then on the VIS program, here's the, the irony and the paradox. They get snagged by the, law, the legal system, and then they're forced into the court where they have an opportunity to remediate it, but they got to go through the therapy. And generally, I've noticed it takes about six, seven, eight, nine months for people to very slowly, all of a sudden, begin to become... I heard, I heard one young man who graduated, he said, you know, I thought my entire life, I thought chaos was normal. And then I came to realize that it's not normal, that calm is normal. Well, if you had a chaotic childhood and then you did a tour in Afghanistan and you're angry but you don't know why, you can't get to calm from chaos quickly. But once you do and you, you find that feeling of peacefulness, you know, the life changes. You see life differently. And so that it's a slow process of uh, the, the group meetings and individual meetings and, and just working it out. And I've seen all of it firsthand. I think we've graduated maybe 25 people so far. And I've heard people say, like that quote, I thought chaos was normal. It's not. And then I heard other guys say, you know, I'm a, I just I realized I'm okay. So it's a beautiful thing to see. And so it's a great program. But the irony is you have to get busted yeah. to be forced into a plea bargain. And the plea bargain is go to this program and help yourself. And we're lucky we have this program right here on uh, right over by Pilot Butte, the vet center. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think ultimately, I don't think any of us realize how far back that reaches. But in essence, the United States of America has been at war for probably 230 years. So there's undoubtedly a backlog that feeds into this even up to today. Well, Your parents who were veterans and saw action? I talked to guys who more and more, because I was oblivious to all this myself because I suppressed it all. But you think about all the men who came back from the Pacific after World War II and they had families. I meet people my age whose dad was in the Pacific or was in whatever, and they remember what their family life was like. And right, and then they're the offspring and then they pass it along. So yeah, there's a great book out there. It's called The Accidental World Power, how the U.S., when World War II was over, found itself on top of the mountain. And they decided through the expansion of a Navy to monitor and implement rules of how the system would work. So then young men in Arizona or Utah or Massachusetts, they're the ones that carry that out, that uh, become the the pawns who carry out that strategy. So yeah, dominant willpower, and we happen to be young men. I can remember coming home every night and watching the war in Vietnam on TV. And it made me, I wanted to help. I enlisted. It was uh, something that I regret. But yeah, so we're, but the key is through the program at the VIS is that these young men and women can get some awareness of who they really are, not the defended, the armored up person, but the real person. And then they can live a normal life rather than an armored up life. You've understand armored, like your heart's armored, your, your body's armored. Nobody's ever going to do this to me again. This will never happen again. I don't, and, and some of the, 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 I did a lot of CPT therapy when I was going through my, my therapy. Trust, safety, power and control, intimacy. If you don't trust anybody, and so the key to PTSD, you have a traumatic event and then a story that you tell yourself. And the story is, I can't be happy because all my buddies died. Or something along that. 
And the therapy is eating away gradually at that story to where a young man can say, I can be happy. And, you know, and so, so it's a beautiful thing to see. But if you don't trust people, you don't feel safe around people, well, who would trust the government after they promised you one thing, and then you got there and you did something else, and then you were traumatized, and you got a, dis, dis, a dishonorable discharge, you don't want anything to do. So then you don't come in and go, wait a minute, I'm entitled to these benefits, to educational benefits, to health benefits. But again, the irony is it takes getting snagged by the legal system to force these people into the therapy, which is because yeah. you know, they won't go in on their own because of the, the um, and in my case, the older guys, I went in because on a lot. I figured, hey, what, I'm retired, what the heck, I'll, I'll check this out. And so how, how do you get awareness of uh, the, uh, do you understand PTSD? Do you understand how it affects your life, how it affects your intimacy, affects your, your sense of trust and safety? Like, I trust you, right? But there would be people who would say, ah, I don't trust him. He's trying to pull one over on me because, you know, but again, all unconscious. And so making it conscious is what the VIS program is about. And it's a partnership with the legal system to, uh, you know, you get two choices. You can go to jail or you can do this, you can do this gig, you know, and it's really turning into a good thing. Well, Leo, we're going to have to come in and have you talk again. You know, it's such a, a an important subject because we're in the midst of a lot of veterans. And at you times bet. I don't think we really pay attention. And in particular, I hate to mention the holidays again, but I'm sure that that's a, a time of great stress for a lot of veterans. So, you know, the work that you do is incredibly important. Uh, why don't you give us some contact information so that we've, if we've talked to anybody in this program that needs to get in touch with you or become part of that program? Now, there's two ways I think you can do it. First of all, if you're a combat veteran and you're involved with the law, ask your attorney, talk to the DA's office, or you can go right to the Vet Center. It's on 1645 Northeast Forbes Road, right across from Pilot Butte. And so however you do it, you engage the system, take advantage of it. One of the other offshoots, by the way, is that I've watched some young men start to look at all of the various benefits. They have rental income assistance. They have uh, job searching assistance. And um, they hook you up with a mentor, a guy that's on the other end of your life, been through it. They can, they can listen. So that's the way to either the DA, your attorney, or and if you're a loved one and you've got a vet, and a combat veteran, I don't care what age they are, you get them into the vet center. If you're a loved one, you got to push somebody because they don't trust, they yeah. don't feel safe, etc. And so you got to you got to sort of force them. I've heard stories of uh, people being dragged by a loved one into the door, into the vet center to talk to somebody. So, as we always say on this radio. Better to be proactive than reactive. Yeah. Uh, you know, get the, get it started. Well, Leo, I hate to say it, but we've ran out of time. I'm really happy that you made it in today to talk about this, and I think it's the fitting day to do it. Thanks yeah. once again, Leo, and thanks for doing the work that you do as a mentor. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.